Today on Blue 58, in a distressingly familiar story, the Packers came up short in the playoffs again. What went wrong? What happens next? There's nothing to it but to start the sad story. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Very happy to be with you here for another episode. I don't say that by rote. I, I am happy to be with you here. Wish it was under better circumstances. But doing this show in some way, shape, or form since 2016, and this is now the fourth time, 16, 19, 20, and 2021, 20, yeah, that the Packers have exited the playoffs earlier than we hoped. I think in 2016 we could say, all right, running the table, kind of getting dragged along by Aaron Rodgers, maybe that one doesn't quite feel the same. They were clearly outclassed in that game. 2019, though, outclassed a different way. 2020, game is there for the taking. And here we are in 2021. Not the NFC Championship game, but still an early, early exit. But this one, to me, feels a little different than some other disappointing Packers losses. Because it's not so much a game that makes me angry. It's not so much a game that makes me sad. It's not even a loss that feels like a gut punch. It's embarrassing. The Packers just embarrassed themselves. I can't characterize it any other way. They did it to themselves. You can talk about that kind of old cliche of, well, they didn't lose. The other team didn't win as much as we lost. And go on and on about stuff like that. And To their credit, the 49ers were there to take advantage of the Packers getting in their own way. But the Packers lost this game. And boy, did they do it in a spectacularly embarrassing way. I've seen a lot of talk online about this being a heartbreaking loss. Maybe. That could be. But I think you should be more mad than sad about this one. And I'm mad is probably not the right word for it. Confused, embarrassed, definitely. But... Man, last year the Packers went toe-to-toe with Tampa and lost. Tampa Bay, a good team. A team the Packers should have beaten, but a good team. In 2019, they got just hammered. But here, what ultimately does them in, other than a terrible performance by Aaron Rodgers, and we'll talk about that plenty, it was something that people have screamed about literally all year long, special teams. So I'm coming back to one word, a word that I hate to talk about in relation to sports, waste. Because no matter how you feel about it, mad, sad, angry, frustrated, upset, embarrassed, whatever, I think we can all agree that the Packers wasted a golden opportunity, wasting a great team. I have always pushed back on the wasting Aaron Rodgers narrative. There's a lot that goes into winning a Super Bowl. But some chances are better than others. And if you want to talk about the quality of chances that have gone by the boards in Green Bay, this is right up there. You've got Aaron Rodgers playing at an MVP level. You've got Devontae Adams having probably the best season we've ever seen from a Packers wide receiver. You've got Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon playing well, and that's just on offense. On defense, 
solid outside corners, solid safety duo. Those some questions maybe about Darnell Savage. An all-pro middle linebacker, Kenny Clark playing at a high level. Solid pair of edge rushers in Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. Oh, and you're adding Zadarius Smith and Whitney Merciless to that group. You're bringing back Jair Alexander. It really doesn't get much better than that. So how else can you really talk about it other than embarrassing? Let's talk quickly about ways in which this team wasted this opportunity. A team that was very good enough to, very much good enough to at least get to a Super Bowl, if not win it. First and foremost, special teams. Tyler Lancaster messing up a block for at least the second time this season on the field goal unit. I'm going to end up saying this a lot, but how does that happen? He's responsible, and I I can't place the exact week that it happened because I don't really keep that close of uh, track of who's on the field for um, field goal plays, but it's happened at least one other time this year in almost the exact same way. Lancaster as the wing back out in space on the field goal unit, giving up the inside, and the field goal gets blocked. Last time it happened, he was on the right side. This time it's on the left. Boy, it seems like a good team happened to notice where Tyler Lancaster was and took advantage. What a surprise. On top of that, a blocked punt. It's a new one, isn't it? If you want to put a positive spin on this, at least it was somewhat of a surprise. But related to that, you think luck doesn't play a role in games? Think about what if the ball bounces slightly differently and goes out of the back of the end zone instead of falling into the falling into the field of play, or if it falls near a Packers player instead of near a 49ers player and the, the Packers are able to fall on it in the end zone instead, get a safety. The Packers probably win if that's just a safety. Instead, hey, look, a free touchdown for the 49ers. And then the crowning achievement, 10 men on the field for the final play. At that point, I think you're at, do you fire Maurice Drayton before addressing the team for the last time this season? Or do you you wait until the Monday after? I don't know how you have this many compounding issues. I said during the season that they weren't going to fire him. I don't really know what it would have changed. But man, there were changes that should have been made. And they just never made them. Just never did it any different. And here it is, causing them problems again. Ten points. 13-point swing, if you take three points off the board for the Packers, at least. Just incredible. But even though that's going to be a big story, I think the bigger one is going to be Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers was bad in this game. The stats don't look terrible. 20 of 29 passing, I think, maybe 22 of 29. doesn't really matter, but he was loud bad in this game. The ball placement was bad. He cost the Packers yards by not putting the ball in front of people, giving them a chance to run with it. The decision-making was bad. He missed Devontae Adams a couple times, looking for Devontae Adams most of the times, but first down's on the line. Missed him a couple times. Breaking the pocket, almost always bad. Was bad again in this one. Obvious audibles, two questionable calls. Bad, too. Taking deep shots when he didn't have to. Bad. Aaron Rodgers talks a lot about legacy. Well, if you want to talk about legacy, if you want to talk about playing well in big games, this one is going to be a tough one to explain. 
Last year, there's a lot you can explain away, I think. The three and outs in the second half against Tampa Bay, all right, there was one really obvious bad holding call that was missed. Also in the second half, Devontae Adams drops a touchdown pass in the end zone. I believe that was in the second half. Also in that game, an interception where there was another bad missed holding call. You can explain away some of that stuff. This, I mean, even with the pressure he was getting, boy, I mean, we've seen him play better in that very situation. And he just didn't. Didn't show up today. The game plan started out great. Never seemed to be able to get things back away from Aaron Rodgers' control. The running game seemed to be working well enough. Matt LaFleur said after the game, just got away from it. But I don't really put a ton of this on Matt LaFleur because I think it was fairly clear a lot of the decisions here were on Aaron Rodgers. But still, if you've got that stuff that works early, where is that the rest of the game? Next thing, the offensive line. Last year it was Tremont Williams standing on the sidelines. This year it's David Bakhtiari, though albeit not in uniform. I don't understand this at all. So you've got the part of Bakhtiari's knee injury, which we'll talk about in a second. But faced with his absence, what do the Packers do? Instead of going with a guy who's been solid at left tackle in Yash Naiman, they turn to Billy Turner, who first hasn't played at all in a month, more than a month. His last game was uh, December 12th against the Bears. He hasn't played left tackle in a year, a year. The last time we saw him at left tackle, it was in the NFC Championship against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And how did that go? Not very well. And then you put him out there against this pass rush when, first, Yash Nyman's been pretty good at left tackle, including against this very team, albeit with some help. And second, putting Turner at left tackle means that Dennis Kelly is going to be out there at right tackle. And we all saw how that went. I don't understand how that ends up being your best five. LaFleur talks about having the best five linemen out there again and again and again. How is that configuration your best five? Doesn't make any sense. But to the larger question here, about David Bakhtiari, the Packers have now had two seasons, at least in part ruined by David Bakhtiari's knee, which is just really unfortunate. But what happened with his knee down the stretch is going to be a huge question for a long time, and I don't think we're ever going to get an explanation about it. Not a satisfactory one, at least. Everyone is being extremely weird about this. The story from Aaron Rodgers and David Bakhtiari is that he had to basically beg Bakhtiari to play in Week 18. He didn't think he was ready. Then he plays and plays well and comes out for conditioning reasons, understandable, but it sounds like he's going to be back to pretty much same old David Bakhtiari. But then he's got all the load management stuff over the past couple of weeks. I don't, I've never torn an ACL. I don't claim to be an orthopedic specialist or whatever, but it, I've never really heard of that kind of thing for an ACL injury, at least not a year removed. If you can go, you can go. At least that's how it's been characterized to me before. But even if they're just trying to get him rest or whatever, 
Matt LaFleur said something about along the lines of something being an issue this morning. What could have possibly popped up over this past week or so that has him sitting out practices down the stretch? It seems like it was more than load management, whatever that ultimately means. There is a part of this story that we don't have an answer to, and I don't know if we're ever going to get it. And it's frustrating that, again, a second season in a row was affected by David Bakhtiari's knee. Missed opportunities. Going to be bothering us for a long time. Eric Stokes missed an interception by playing the man and not the ball. I know that's how they tell you to do it a lot of the times, but you've at least got to know where the ball is, and he probably missed a pick six as a result. Devondre Campbell, too, missed an opportunity on a pass floated to the sideline. He breaks it up, a little jostling with uh, George Kittle, but he doesn't come up with the ball. And it looked like he knew he had an opportunity there that he missed. In some ways, this game reminded me of the Packers' first game against the Vikings this season. Minnesota gave them plenty of opportunities, but they just couldn't take advantage, and they couldn't get out of their own way, too. Then, of course, a bunch of little things, just a few of them here. Mercedes Lewis, fumbling. Couldn't happen to a better guy. Second fumble of the season, but just his second fumble since 2013. Jair Alexander in the hole against Debo Samuel on the deciding play there at the end. Nope. Comes up short. Can't make the tackle. They had him dead to rights behind the line. Mason Crosby. Okay, say the block wasn't his fault. He still couldn't get the ball to the end zone on kickoffs. And I know it's like kicking a rock out there, but he didn't even have a chance. Not a chance. Every single kick just dying in the air. He looks like he's probably done. So what does it mean? That is the question, isn't it? What does it all mean? The Packers, of course, are done. That's it for them this year. Goodbye. But beyond it, what does it mean? I wrote prior to the game that they had no excuses not to win this year. They had everybody back they could have wanted. Sure, David Bakhtiari doesn't play, but he at least had a chance. But I said... In that piece that I wrote, published January 20th, the final paragraph was, unless someone gets hit by a bus crossing Oneida Street, there's no excuse that can justify an exit short of the Super Bowl. There is no reason the Packers shouldn't be playing for another title this year. Failing to make it would be an indictment of the entire organization, proof positive that the Packers' greatest enemy is themselves. But does that turn out to be true? The greatest enemy of the Packers tonight was clearly the Green Bay Packers. And I stand by that line of institutional failure at every level. The players. The most important one was bad. But there were more than a few other guys who didn't make plays given the chance. The coaching. We talked about the bad game plan. Troublesome game plan, let's put it that way. But then bad other choices. Offensive line, for one, we talked about that. But who's responsible for hiring the special teams coach, Matt LaFleur? Who indeed? The general manager, well, I said pregame, I wasn't sure how much of a failure you could call Gutekunst if the Packers didn't win. And mostly I think that's still true. But you know what occurred to me in this game? It would have been really nice to have a receiver who could get open one-on-one other than Devontae Adams. A guy I'd like, say, just pull a name from the top of my head, T. Higgins or Michael Pittman. Taken in the early second round in 2020. 
handful of picks after a local quarterback was selected. Stepping up a level from Gutekunst, the people at the highest level have a hand in this failure today. What does Mark Murphy have to do with this game, he asked. Ah, yes. What does the Packers' organizational philosophy stemming from the fountainhead that is Mark Murphy have to do with this? Cast your mind back to early 2019. Do you remember one of the first storylines that popped up in the Matt LaFleur era? Matt LaFleur wanted to hire a guy by the name of Darren Rizzi to be his special teams coach. And the Packers wouldn't meet Rizzi's price until it was too late. He wanted to come to Green Bay, but not for what the Packers were offering. Eventually they came around, but it was too late. And he's gone on to coordinate some very good special teams units with the New Orleans Saints. By DVOA, the Saints have been pretty darn good. Fifth in 2019 as an entire special teams unit. Fifth in 2020 as an entire special teams unit. Sixteenth in 2021, plummeting down the charts, but still miles and miles and miles ahead of where the Packers were. Imagine what the Packers would be like if they just had an adequate, an adequate special teams unit. They'd still be playing next weekend, I can tell you that. So what happens next? That is the real question, isn't it? What happens next? But unfortunately, all we have are questions. Answers are few and far between right now. The first one, of course, what happens with Aaron Rodgers? My gut reaction is I think he's gone. Traded somewhere probably in the AFC. Maybe it's Denver, maybe it's somewhere else. Hopefully it's for a big pile of draft picks. We'll see. I would never rule out retirement with Aaron Rodgers, which makes for a very complicated picture if that ends up being the case, but I don't think you can rule it out. Gut reaction, though, is he's done in Green Bay, and he's probably off to somewhere else. Following that, what happens with Devontae Adams? Your guess is as good as mine, but for his sake, I'd rather not watch him labor through a rebuild. If you've got this scintillating talent, you might as well, well just hope for the best for him. If he can find the best free agent deal he can, let the Packers just dig out of their cap situation and go from there. Maybe the bigger question then is who survives cap hell? Billy Turner? Doesn't seem likely. Zedaria Smith gone pretty much for sure, given how his cap number is going to balloon here. Adrian Amos? I'd love him. Love for him to be in Green Bay. But why keep him if you're rebuilding? Kind of think everything's on the table. Almost has to be. Almost anybody who has a tradable or movable cap figure kind of has to be moved. And I use that word tradable pretty much only to refer to Aaron Rodgers. This isn't like Madden. They're not just going to be flipping players left and right. A lot of people want that to happen. It's just not how things work. If they know you're having a fire sale, they're just going to wait you out. But I think everybody is on the table. And that includes, by the way, Jordan Love. What happens with Jordan Love? I wish I knew. But the answer, unfortunately, for Jordan Love is still out of his control. Because the Packers, although they've seen a fair bit about Jordan Love in practice in a couple games here, haven't really gotten the full experience. By design, I should say. Should add. He hasn't really been able to move the needle one way or another all that much. He hasn't had opportunities to do it. But... This is a guy the Packers were still saying has a long way to go around midseason of this year. 
Is that the kind of guy that you're ready to build around? Kind of don't think so. Again, we always knew that Jordan Love was going to be a project. Is that the kind of guy you want to spend a first-round pick on, knowing that he's going to be sitting the bench for a couple years anyway? I don't know. So, questions ahead. That leaves us with one last question as we prepare for the offseason. Where does Blue 58 go from here? Where does the podcast you're listening to right now go from here? One thing is for sure, I'm not going anywhere. I don't even have to be like Aaron Rodgers and wait around for free agency to announce it. I am back for next year, and I'm ready to get started on the offseason stuff. Yep, this loss is a bummer. It stinks. But there's a lot of good stuff we can talk about together. Say what you will about whatever happens this offseason. It's not going to be boring. I'll say that. However, even if it's not boring, that doesn't mean the way forward won't be grim. And I'm always reminded in situations like this of one of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite movies, The Fellowship of the Ring. The Fellowship finds them trapped in Moria, finds themselves trapped in Moria. And what does Gandalf say to them? Follow me, folks. Gonna be tough ahead. We now have but one choice. We must face the long dark of Moria. Be on your guard. There are older and fouler things than orcs in the deep places of the world. If you take this metaphor to its logical conclusion, that means I'm probably going to die in the very near future, so let's not worry about all that all too much. But the point is, even if it's dark ahead, even if there's frustrating times ahead, all we can do is just keep going forward. And the only way to go forward is together. Whatever happens, we get to enjoy it together. And I think that's a good thing to remember. We can't ever affect the outcome here. All that we get to do is try to be entertained by the games and everything that goes around with it. Sure, it's a lot more fun to win, but I think we can practice enjoying the process too. Doesn't mean it doesn't sting when it goes badly, though. But in keeping with that idea of community, there is one thing I wanted to mention here before we wrap it up for tonight, for the season. Discord member, QHM, a regular commenter in the Power Sweeps Discord channel, got engaged today. So I wanted to say big congrats to him and best wishes to the bride-to-be. Because community, taking care of each other, giving recommendations or recognition for good things that happen is what this stuff is all about. The non-football stuff is what really matters. Football is a sideshow in real life. It seems big and important sometimes. We all know it doesn't really matter, though it is a lot of fun. It's something that we get to enjoy together. And let's let that togetherness, I guess, be what gets us through. Doesn't mean it's not a bummer. Honestly, I really thought this was it. I thought this was going to be a Super Bowl year. It just seemed like all of the things that could break one way or another were breaking the Packers' way. Kept winning close games, although that's kind of become a staple of the LaFleur era. They kept kept just coming up with new and interesting ways to survive. They kept stringing together offensive lines that never looked like they should be real groups of NFL players. They kept making big plays. They kept just 
churning along until all the wheels came off at once. And man, it is going to be a long, dark off season. But I really am sincerely glad that we get to go through it together. I really appreciate you listening to another season of Blue 58. This is now our sixth season. I was reflecting on that today uh, as we prepared for this game. I was talking to my wife. We got a pile of chicken wings for dinner. Shared some with the co-host number one, co-host number two, not old enough yet. But we like to always do it big for playoff games. We do last year for the NFC Championship game, made an enormous beef brisket on the smoker. Because I always view it as like a Viking funeral sort of thing. Like you want to go out in a giant blaze of glory. And if this is when we were going to go out, I wanted to go out having fun and eating food that we liked and, you know, making a party of it. But it also occurred to me that six seasons, I mean, we've been doing this for more than a half a decade now. And I just really appreciate everybody who's been with us for that entire ride. And if you're a newcomer to that journey, hope you enjoy your stay too. I really enjoy doing this show for you. I really am grateful that you listen. I'm grateful that you share it with people. I'm grateful that you keep coming back. In disappointment, that's what really keeps me going, is knowing that there's people who want to keep listening and want to keep talking about the Packers no matter what. Because that, I think, is what it's all about. We all love the Packers, and if you're really a fan, you're going to love them no matter what happens. What happened today really stunk. Not great. But even if it does stink, even if it's not great, even if it's not what we hope for, we can still enjoy it all together. And I'm glad you're along for the ride here. I'm glad I get to keep doing this show for you. It'll be all right. Get some sleep. It is currently 1.39 a.m. where I am. Hope you enjoy your Sunday. Hope you have a great week. And I hope you're ready to keep talking Packers football. That's all I've got for you in this episode. Hope you enjoyed tuning in. Maybe it helped you get a little bit of the feelings out yet. If you did enjoy this episode, I'd appreciate it a lot if you'd share it with someone you think would enjoy it too. It's going to help our little community continue to grow, which in turn is going to help all of us continue to become smarter Packers fans, me included. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58. Stay safe, everybody. It's been a great season.